Amen, Miss Kathy. Amen. First things first, amen. John chapter 3 and verse 16. Let's all stand, please, in honor of the Word of God. Very familiar scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Brother James Weinbarge, would you please pray this morning? Amen. You may be seated. Amen. God's great love. God's great love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. A gym dealer was strolling the aisles at a Tucson gym and mineral show when he noticed a blue-violet stone the size of and shape of a potato. He looked it over, then as calmly as possible asked the vendor, you want $15 for this? The seller, realizing the rock wasn't as pretty as others in the bin, lowered the price to 10 The stone has since been certified as a 1,905 carat, carat natural star sapphire, about 800 carats larger than the largest stone of its kind. It was appraised at $2.28 million. It took a lover of stones to recognize the sapphire's worth. It took the lover of souls, the Lord Jesus Christ, to recognize the true value of ordinary looking people like us. The love that God has for us is summarized here in this verse of John three sixteen. Some people call it, the gospel in a nutshell, the Bible in the nutshell. It's the most well-known verse of the Bible. John three sixteen is the magnifying glass of God's love for mankind. If there's one verse that summarized the heart of the Bible, this would probably be the verse. All of the highways of divine truth meet here at John three sixteen. John 3.16 is the very hub of the revealed truth. Probably more people this morning recognize that verse as being the Bible, and the Word of God, than any other verse in the Bible. It's very brief and to the point. Jesus revealed God's great love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Some things this morning I want us to see this morning that I believe that God wants us to understand. Sometimes we quote it, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And we quote it so fast and so through that we really forget the meaning of it. 
We hear the preaching of the Word of God. We hear uh, the reading. We hear it so much sometimes, even as Christian people, that we forget the meaning. We forget the depth. We forget the cost. We forget the pain. We forget the heartache. That what it took our Father in Heaven to bring us to this place. That's why we shouldn't take for granted coming to the house of God. That's why we shouldn't take His Word for granted. Why we shouldn't take uh, the privilege that we have to call upon Him if we profess to be saved and to know the Lord, that we would not take that so apathetically and so lethargic anymore. Well, whether it's a, a, well, if everything goes good and we ain't got nothing else to do, then we'll go to church. Or, well, if I got time, I'll read my Bible. We ought to make time to spend time with God. You only got time, you only get to spend it one time. And God wants us to take time to spend time with Him. I want us to see this morning the fact of God's, that God so loved. The evidence that God gave of His love. And number three, the purpose of His love. And the proof of His love. And then the means of His love. First of all, let's look at the fact that God so loved the world. He loved the world. The idea that God loves the whole world is, is a new idea. If you remember, and you've been through it here in the last months or so, uh, and the preacher preaching and through the studying in our Sunday school, you know that the Jews thought God only loved them. And now here comes Jesus preaching something different. That not only does Jesus love the Jews, but He also loves the Gentiles. He also loves those that hate Him and persecute Him. He also loves, as He tells, Jesus teaches us, He teaches disciples, like in Sunday school this morning, to love your enemies. And He goes on, and, and the same thoughts here are held by many in every generation, that especially by the religionists, that, that uh, God only loves certain people. The, the fact that God truly loves is, is shocking to many people. And some wonder and questions, uh, others question how God could possibly love that vile person. How could God possibly love that murderer, that immoral person, that uh, wife beater, that child abuser? Uh, my soul, how we see that almost every day anymore. The, the prostitute, the thief, the alcoholic, that homeless person, that person that lives on the street, that oppressor, that one that enslaves people, that bitter, vengeful people, Sometimes people get the idea of how could God love them and think that they, God could love them any different. But folks, God loves every man. Not just the religious crowd, not just the good. He also loves those people that are unlovable. Those people that you and I think, my God, how, could, how does God really expect me to love and care for them? Yes, He does. And God manifested His love on the cross outside the city of Jerusalem there for the whole world to see. He didn't hide his love. He didn't hide what He'd done for us. He lifted in the open for the whole world to see. Uh, God does not uh, love only the people who love Him. He loves everyone. You know, the, the liberal crowd and the, the crowd this morning that, that say, you know, well, God is a God of love and God won't do this and God won't do that. You better read the rest of it and find that God says He's a consuming fire. He's also... Uh, he gets angry. You remember Jesus there. He didn't sin. 
But he hates sin. The Bible talks about, we, we hear so much today about the, the homosexuality and all this crowd and God calls it an abomination. That word abomination, that means God, that's the ultimate hate that God has. When God calls something an abomination, he means that's, that's the, that's, I hate that, those things. I hate all sin. But those, those are the worst, over the worst. And Jesus said, another sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Folks, we got to stop and realize this morning, we're all sinners. We all come short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, sin passed forth on all man. And if you're a man this morning, if you're a woman, you're still classified as, as a mankind, then we were born into sin, and you didn't have a choice about it. But you do have a choice about what you're going to do about it. If you're going to stay in sin, are you going to come out of that sin? And God teaches us in His Word this morning, the basis of God's love is His nature. God is love. In 1 John 4, verses 8 and verse 16, He said, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and in Him. Love acts. Love expresses itself. Love does not sit still doing nothing. It's not dormant, complacent, or inactive. Love actually exists. It has uh, to act and express itself. And we see that God expressed His love and put forth His love and manifested His love to you and I on the cross of Calvary when he, God gave His Son to die on the cross. And may I say this morning, the love that God's talking about here in John 3.16 is not the love that Fox News talks about. It's not the, we're not talking this morning about the God that Fox News and the media talks about. We're talking about the real true God. The living, born, the, the living God that has all power in heaven and earth. Who's holy, who's pure, who's righteous. Who's God, He's the God that says, I have no other gods before me. He's the one that gave His Son to die on the cross. And when He talks about love, He's not talking about this pacifist love. He's not just putting, He's just not giving us words. He's putting His love into action. You can't go to God this morning and say, God, you don't really love me. Because God the Father gave His Son to die on the cross. You can't go to Him this morning and say, well, God don't love me. And be truthful because God's already shown you His love in that He gave His Son to die on the cross. He's already expressed His love. He's, he's actually exists. It's something that we can all have. And love is loving. That is, love's always demonstrating love to others. And God has demonstrated His love to us. And when we get saved, we put our faith and trust in Him, then God wants us to express that same love to other people. How do we do that? We express our love to others by telling them about Him. And let people know, I love the Lord. I'm not ashamed of Him. When you go out to a restaurant, you're telling God you love Him by simply bowing your head and thanking Him for your food. When you, no matter what God does for us, we simply thank Him and we're, we're, we're thankful for Him and what He's done for us. God wants man to know His love. Not the haphazard kind the world talks about. These movie stars will get up and they'll talk about, uh, I turned a sandwich, I fixed me two sandwiches the other day when I sat down and, and there was a show on TV, uh, and, and I don't watch it, uh, but it was The View. And they was talking about, I just love you, I love you. I thought, you lying rascal, you, you, how can you love them people? You don't even know them. You don't know them people. I mean, if you're going to love somebody, you got to know who they are. I mean, you can love them in the Lord in the fact you want them to be saved, but to really know who they are. I mean, I love Karen, 
enough to marry her. And then I found out what true love was, and she loved me enough to marry me. Better get that in there. But we really, we really didn't get to know each other until we got married and started living under the same roof. And you know what I'm talking about now. But God really knew us when we were lost in our sin. He knew us where we were at. He knew us when we were lost and doomed and down and had no hope. And He gave His Son... To the, the Bible says He was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That means God already knew what Jesus was going to do. Jesus already knew what He was going to do. He knew our state and what He was going to do about it before He ever came. And folks, this morning, when God said He so loved, God wants us to understand this morning that there's a depth of love that this world just can't understand. When, when you and I this morning talk about being saved, you know, then people start talking about God and how bad He is and how mean He is. And if there was a God, He wouldn't do this. And if there was a God, He wouldn't do that. Well, friend, there is a God. His name is Jesus his name is God the Father. His name is God the Holy Spirit. They all three make up one. Some people don't even believe that. But the Bible says here in those few, first few words are God so loved. That, that so loved there is past tense. He's already loved us. He's already shown us. A, a, a proven fact. Another outline of this verse would be, uh, number one, the height of God's love would be God loved. The depth would be God so loved. And the length would be God gave. And the breadth would be whosoever. He included us all this morning. Praise God for that. That love is a commitment. There's, there's a difference here in these three questions. You remember the, the story there where Jesus came and he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, I, Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, thou knowest I love you. And he asked him that third time. Those first two times, Jesus wanted them to understand that's, that's the kind of love the world has. That's phileo love. That's the, a brotherly love that you have for one another. But when, when Jesus asked him that second time if he loved, what he was simply asking was, Peter, do you love me with God's love? You say you're a Christian. You, you, you're, you're following me. You're my, one of my, you're with me every day you, and you're preaching. But Peter, do you love me with the same love that I've loved you in? And Peter said, yeah, Lord, I, and then he comes, and that's that world, world the, the same as a brotherly love. And then he asked, probe three really questions, the genuineness and loyalty of Peter's love. And Jesus descended to the human level of love, and he used that phileo love. He simply asked Peter, Peter, do you really love me? Do you really love me like a brother? Peter, I want to teach you something this morning. I want you to see something. One day, Peter, you're going to be called upon to demonstrate that agape love. That agape love was a new kind of love. It was a love that were a life, a person laid down their life for their friends. That they gave it all. And Peter, Jesus was telling Peter, you're going to be called upon Peter to demonstrate that agape love, that sacrificial love of God. That, uh, Peter will be called upon to die for Christ, to give his life for preaching the love of God to those who wouldn't care for it or who would react violently to it. What Jesus was doing was preparing his disciples here for this new kind of love. That you, as our Sunday school taught this morning, we got to die out to ourselves and let that love of God that God put in our hearts. And by the way, this morning, you can't have that love until you've been born again. That, that kind of love, that agape love the Lord's talking about here only comes through the person of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, agape became the love that, that was willing to, to give and, and even die for an enemy, not just a friend. The early Christian leaders recognized this due dimension of love and they lifted that meaning of agape up. That agape love is the highest level of love possible. It's the love of God that God has for people. 
And folks, this morning, God said that's the kind of love that He loved us with. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Agape love is Christ dying. Agape love is for people who have no strength, like you and I. Agape love was for the ungodly, like you and I were. Agape love is for sinners. Agape love is for the enemies of God, like you and I were. I didn't want anything to do with God when I was lost without God. I, was a, I, I didn't even want to hear how wrong I was. I thought I was a pretty good old boy. I thought everything was going good. I thought, man, this old ship's are doing good. Till God came by one night and showed me and convicted me of my sin. And I realized, hey, my boat's got a hole in it. And I'm going down. But thank God this morning, Jesus made the way. So we see the fact that God so loved. Number two, we see the evidence God gave. And there is the evidence of God's love that God gave His only begotten Son. Notice here that God demonstrated His love in the most perfect way possible. He gave His only. He didn't go to His many sons and pick out one. He took the only son He had. His only begotten Son to this world. Has God, He is perfect. Which means that His love is perfect. Therefore, God not only loves, but He also so loves. That means He can't love any more. And He can't love any less. He's so loved with a love that there's no more love left to give because He's gave it all. And He can't give any less love because He's God. Because He's God. And see, therefore God only loves, but He so loves, He loves to perfection, He loves to ultimate degree, and whatever that ultimate degree in, and that perfect uh, act of, or expression of love is, God shows it. And folks, we can look this morning to Him and see that. And the thing about it is, is God not only gave it to Solid Rock Baptist Church, or gave it to you and me, He gave it to the world. And we're looking today and we're seeing a world that's reeling and rocking. And the more it reels and rocks, the further and the less they want to do with a God that God so loved the world. We're so fortunate that we live in an area called the Bible Belt. When we lived in Henry River, and I've told you this many times, we drove past 17 churches in 8.2 miles that was within a half a mile of the the way that we come. 17.2 churches. And we live in the Bible Belt. But folks, it's not that way everywhere. And even in the Bible Belt, and even in this area, folks, there's many places where the truth and the Word of God is not preached because it's afraid it's going to hurt somebody. We're going to live like we want to. We're going to do what we want to. And you can put up with it. God can like it or lump it. Well, i got news for you, my friend. God's going to lump it. He is not going to take His blood and His Son and let mankind tread them underfoot. You can think what you want to. You can live as holy and pure and righteous as you want to. But you're going to find out one day that your righteousness is filthy rags. And God's going to throw them out. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And God gave his son, and his son gave his life for you and I. And thank God this morning. That word there, gave, has a twofold meaning. God gave his son to the world, and he gave his son to die. And Jesus knew it when he came. And see here, it's the ideal of sacrifice, of great cost. Uh, It costs God dearly to give His Son to the world and up to the cross. He gave up His Son to be separated from Him. 
He was with the Father in heaven. He gave His Son up, allowing Jesus to leave His presence, to leave His the majesty and the glory of heaven and worship and honor of heaven. He gave up His Son to be separated from Him, allowing Jesus uh, to come to the earth into a world that was fallen and depraved. He, he gave up His son, son to come into a world full of darkness, hostility, full of selfishness and greed. And folks, it's only got worse. It's only got worse. He gave up His Son to be separated from Him. Allowing Jesus to die for the sins of men. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, But He was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. Not by our goodness, not by our good works, but by His stripes are we healed. And see, the Bible says a most glorious evidence of God's love is that He took the initiative to say, man, when you and I didn't even understand where we were at, He came to us. He took the initiative. The Holy Spirit of God convicted us of our sin. See, man did not seek to save himself. We didn't ask for the plan. God just set the plan in place because He knew we needed it. He knew we was going to need a sacrifice for our sins and He gave His Son to die on the cross of Calvary. God gave His Son that we might be forgiven and saved. And God is the seeking Savior. If you're saved this morning, you're saved because He came to where you was at and got you. He brought the plan. He made the plan and He came to where you was at. And folks, if you can't go back to a time and a place where you were saved, where your life changed forever, then you better check up on your salvation. And people will tell you today, no, you don't have to come to an altar. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. Well, either something's wrong there. Either they're wrong or this book's wrong. Jesus said, there is no remission of sin without the shedding of the blood. And folks, today, if you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Jeremiah 31, 3, The Lord hath appeared to of men of old, saying, Yea, have I loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. He, he shows us the shape that we're in. He comes and shows us the, the place that we're in. And we have to make a choice. Either we're going to trust what Jesus did or we're going to trust our own, our own self. We're going to put our faith and trust in our works and our righteousness and everything about us or we're going to trust Him and what He did on the cross. And folks, you hear it so much anymore. But I'm going to tell you something. When somebody as big as God moves in, you know He's there. You ever come to a place where all of your sin, everything you've ever done, God's pointed it all out to you. And you ask Him to come in your heart and to save you. And at that moment, when He saves you, He takes all that sin away. And at that moment, you're as holy and clean and pure and righteous as Jesus is. You're never going to forget that. And nobody's never going to tell you it didn't happen. I can take you to the parking place at Eastburg High School where I could. They build a building there. I can take you to the building where I was walking across the parking lot. I went in there and... I went up there and they had that crusade going on and they, they, I went up front and I prayed what they said to pray and I read what they said to read, but I said, I come out the door and I said, Lord, I, I still feel the same. I, I done what they said to do and I prayed what they said to pray, but I still feel the same, but Lord, I'm going to believe you anyway. And right then's when Jesus saved me. Walking down across that parking lot, that's when it was all gone. He took it all away. And I'm telling you, there ain't nobody going to tell me no different. Because I experienced, I lived it. And if you don't have a place that you can go back to, whether it's by the bedside or an altar or driving down the road or wherever it was, there's a place that you can go to where you know that that's the place where God changed your life, then you better check up. 
You better quit thinking about, well, I'll find out. I, I, I think I'm going to get there. I think I'm okay. I think I'm going to be all right. You better know so. Jesus said, these things are written that you may know that you can believe in the name, the name of the Son of God. And folks, today, I'll tell you, it, it makes a difference. Do you realize Jesus could come today? He, we might not leave this place. We, the next time we see Preacher Jerry and Miss Darlene, it may be in heaven. He may never come back to Granite Falls or Rodeus. He may be in heaven. God can come back and folks, if you're left here, I mean, in the twinkling of an eye, we could be gone. And the Bible says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, we have taken that by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that He should be holding of it. Folks, if people think that, God, that they can just trash away God, they're trashing away the Constitution today like it's nothing. And they think they've already done away with God, but folks, God ain't had the, God's going to have the last say. They don't have the last say. So we see the fact that God so loved. We see the evidence that God gave. And went now, with number three, we see the purpose was to save. And this is the purpose of God's love to save men. God's purpose in giving His Son was threefold. To save men from the perishing, to save men to eternal life, and to save men through belief. Folks, Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. You must believe. You must. It's not changed. Churches are changing. Men are changing. But God's not changing. If you're going to heaven this morning, you better get you better get right with God. Get saved. And if you're saved this morning, then we need to keep the sin under the blood. We need to ask for forgiveness and and stick with the Lord. He talks about, the, the, he said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoso believed Him should not perish. That word perish there is, is to be lost, to be to destroy utterly, to lose utterly, to lose eternal life, to be spiritually destitute. It's not just the, the it's, it's also the aging, the deteriorating, the decaying, and the dying, but folks, it's also having to die, and facing judgment, and being condemned. Suffering separation from God and from all of our loved ones and experiencing all that hell is, that's perishing. And folks, today people think you, you, you try to talk to them about the Lord and say, well, I'm gonna, I'll get to heaven, I'll get to hell on us. I'll just walk right in and say, devil, I'm here. You're a fool. You're a fool. You'd have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea. Eternity is not five minutes. Eternity is forever. You ain't going to walk in and tell the devil nothing. By the way, you ain't going to stroll into heaven and be glad to see everybody. That's there. You'll see them, but I tell you, there's somebody you're going to see first, and that's him. And then we'll fall at his feet, if we can even stand for his glory. Folks, if we just stop once in a while and take time to realize who it is we're talking about, who it is we're dealing with, He's holy, He's pure, He's righteous. He holds the world. He holds the, everything that we are. In, in a split second, He can just close His fist and we're done. Our lives this morning. But He loves us and He cares for us. See, perishing means to be lost in a state of, in the world to come. But folks, this morning, men are placed in one of two categories here. Perishing or being saved. A man goes through life having one of these two experiences. He's either perishing, he's going down and down and down and down. The, the day that I was born and you were born, we started dying. And we're going to die if Jesus don't come. And folks, we're, we're either saved and we're, living, we're going to live forever or we're perishing. We're going to suffer death throughout eternity. See, man goes through life saving 
one of these two experiences, either perishing or moving ever downward toward the grave. He's being saved or moving upward toward eternal life. Both words are, con- it's a continuous action. I thought when I got 16 years old, Elijah, I get my driver's license, it can't get no better than this. How much more could it, how much better could it be to have a car and going down the road with some gas money in your pocket and being able to just decide where you're going to go and the freedom. I mean, how much better can it be? I mean, that's, that, to me, that was the ultimate thing. I lived in Henry River all my life. I wanted to get out of Henry River. But you know what I found out? That thing took gas. And that crazy bunch out there at Hellebrand wanted insurance money. They had you got to have insurance to get a tag and you got to spend money and it costs money and, it, and you're going to go somewhere and you're going to enjoy the free things and there's a price to pay. And folks, you and I can, this morning can enjoy the life that we have and live free from sin because Jesus paid the price on the cross of Calvary. Folks, this morning, we're being saved more, just thank God, there's just nothing like it. The man who's saved is being conditioned to break loose from the perishing. We don't, we don't have to perish. These, these old bodies, I know we suffer pain and we suffer things in these bodies and, 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 and they're dying and they're decaying and they're getting old. They're not made to live forever. They're not made to live forever. They're made uh, to, to, to be here for just a while, just like a vapor, just like the grass in the field. We see the fact that God so loved. We see the evidence God gave. We see the purpose to save. But now, we see, number four, we see the proof of His love is that He sent. The incarnation, He actually sent His Son into the world. God, Christ was not sent to condemn the world but, or to judge the world, but we, the world, deserve to be judged and condemned. And we're guilty of breaking God's law and coming short of the glory of God. He said in Romans 3.23, all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. We're convicted this morning. God's already showed us that. And however, Christ was not sent to condemn or judge us. And judgment and condemnation were not His purpose. Christ was sent to save us. He came to seek and to save those that are lost. His word points out who we are and what we are. But He came to seek and to save those that are lost. He said, for it unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Folks, we see the proof because God sent. And folks, we got, we're going to be held accountable for what we do with this great gift that God has given us. How we've handled it, how we've dealt with it. We see the fact of His love. We see the evidence of His love, the purpose of His love. We see the proof and then we see the means. And there is the means of salvation. Salvation is through Him, Christ Jesus, and through His name only. Only through Him and by Him this morning. If you go to heaven, you're going to go through there through Him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Last week, Muhammad Ali died. And they asked, one asked him, did you think he went to heaven on his good works? And some said, yes, we think, we think he did. Well, it's a sad thing to report this morning. But if Muhammad Ali did not know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, it didn't make no difference how great a boxer he was. It didn't make no difference how many times he proclaimed to be the greatest, which is a dangerous thing because Jesus is the greatest. He, like every other person, he died just like the pulper died. He died just like the soldiers that are dying on the battlefield this morning so that you and I can have the freedom we enjoy this morning. That, again, we take so lightly the price that's being paid that you and I have, 
the leadership of our nation take that price very lightly this morning. They're almost trying to take it out of the history books. They've never fought in a war. They've never been in a war. They don't know what war is, and yet they want to lead in a war. And folks, we're in a war. We're in a war, a spiritual war. The greatest war on the face of the planet today is not between ISIS and and everybody else. The greatest war today is between... uh, are we, going to, are we saved? Are, are we going to heaven? Are, are, are we going to believe God? Or are we not going to believe God? The biggest battle in a Christian's life is unbelief. Is we're going to believe God or are we not? And if you're lost here this morning, your biggest battle is Satan wants to tear you away and destroy you and take you to a place where you'll suffer death throughout eternity. And he'll lie to you and he'll do anything he can get you to do to get you there. And for you to understand and wake up when it's too late. That this is a faithful saying in 1 Timothy 1 and 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. To realize, hey, you know all that stuff that preacher was preaching was the truth? But it'll be too late. All that time when he stood up there and just bled his brains out and kept telling me I was lost and I'm on my way to hell, I'm going to die. And you know he was telling the truth. It'll be too late to end to be like Abraham. Lord, send somebody back to warn my five brethren, to warn my brother not to come to this awful place. And Jesus said they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. You know what he was saying? Hey, they got the word of God. Let them hear the word of God. Let them hear what I got to say. But the devil's attacked the book. We change it. It's easier to read. There ain't nothing wrong with this book. There ain't nothing wrong with this book. You don't have to change the names out here and take words out of it to understand it. If you just read it, you'll understand it. Well, I don't get everything out of it. They ain't nobody gets everything out of it. Nobody. So the greatest leaders, the greatest our Christian leaders uh, that's ever lived on the planet in our lifetime, they didn't get. They might have been doctors, and they had all these letters behind their name, and they've they've done studied, and they've done this and this and this, and they've done this and this and this. They still don't know it all. And if they're true, they'll tell you they don't know it all. When I started Bible college, they said, one thing you're going to learn and you need to understand right now is you're always going to be a student of the Word of God. When you graduate from here, you're still not going to know everything there is to know because nobody knows everything there is to know. And we learn day by day. We learned in our leadership class last month, uh, you know, the little the song that the kids sing, little by little, inch by inch. By the yard, it's hard, but by the inch, it's a cinch. You learn a little bit more about the Lord every day. You get saved, you just learn about Him every day. You get in this book, you learn a little bit every day. The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept. And we learn about Him. We learn, And we want to learn more about His love this morning. But we need to understand this morning, even though He's a God of love. And people say, well, I don't believe that God will send nobody to hell. Well, God won't send nobody to hell. You'll make your own choice there. He didn't create hell for you. He created hell for the devil and his imps. He did not create hell for, for man. It's not the place for you. You'll make your own place there. And you get there by dying in this world without the Lord Jesus Christ. By believing and trusting in ourselves and our good works and our good deeds and everything that we've done by our bank accounts and all those things, everything, every other excuse that Satan wants to give, you'll get there that way. You'll get there by, by hearing the Word of God and not putting your faith and trust in it. You'll get there by saying, Not today, Lord. Not today. You know, the devil, he don't care if you get saved, he just don't want you to do it today. He don't want you to believe God today. He wants you to wait till tomorrow. Then tomorrow it'll be the next day. It'll be the next service. It'll be, why don't you come back tonight? It'll be, why don't you do this? Why don't you do anything and everything he can put out there to keep you from coming to the Lord? He will. And 
fellow Christian this morning, if you're saved, he'll put everything out there to keep us from believing the Word of God is true, that we can actually, we can believe God to put food on our tables. We can believe God to put clothes on our back. We can believe God this morning to fill every need in our heart that we actually need. He didn't say give us our wants, but he said, I'll supply your need according to my riches in Christ Jesus. Everything's in Him. Everything's in Him. The power, everything we need is in Him. But folks, people wait too late. Just last week, I think it was, the preacher and Eddie was talking about a good friend. They, I went with the preacher, I think, uh, to, uh, once or twice. I know I went one time, maybe twice, to see this man and, and, and was laying there and, and he was just, he was out. I mean, he, he was done. He had the death rattles. He was laying there and he was just, I know it's not a good thing to say, or, but he was already gurgling his throat. You could hear the, the death in him almost. And the sad part about it was laid there, and, and when we come out and was walking down the hall, the preacher said, to Brother Ronnie, the thing is, I don't even know if the man's saved. You know, there's worse things in this world than dying. And that's living a life that you don't even know the Lord. You don't even know God. And those that are around you that love you and try to tell you about the Lord, people in my own family, They'll travel to the end of the world to go to, to nothing, but they won't drive, spend five minutes to drive to the house of God. You go to the house of God, we'll talk, talk to you about, you can, you can, listen, you can come to my house, talk to me about anything you want to, but, but you leave, don't you, don't you bring that back with you. When I die, they can bury me upside down and tell the whole world to, okay. But that's a decision that you make. You deny the Lord. The final eruption of Mount St. Helens in May of 1980 was not a sudden event. For two months prior to the massive blast, the most deadly and destructive in American history earthquakes and volcanic activity signaled a major event was underway. Authorities had plenty of time to sound the alarm and warn those nearby of the looming danger. Despite the seriousness of the threat, some people chose to disregard the warnings. Of those who refused to evacuate, probably the best known is Harry Randall Truman. The 83-year-old man was the owner and caretaker of the Mount St. Helens Lodge at Spirit Lake. He had survived the sinking of his troop ship by a German submarine off the coast of Ireland during World War I. And he was not about to leave just because scientists thought there was danger. Truman told reporters, I don't have any idea whether it'll blow, but I don't believe it to the point that I'm going to pack up. Well, on May the 18th, 1980, Truman and his lodge were buried beneath 150 feet of mud and debris from the volcanic eruption. His body was never found. It is foolish to recognize the danger and think that we will somehow be exempt from the consequences if we linger. And folks, this morning, it's foolish this morning. If you're here this morning lost and undone without God, it's foolish for you to put it off. You've heard it and you've heard it and you've heard it. And you've been warned and been warned and been warned. And whether uh, my soul, this this weekend, it's, we went out bus, uh, the bus yesterday and through the day yesterday, just car wreck after car wreck after car wreck. And I mean, that one plat, that one vehicle, two of them, I mean, they were tore all to pieces. I don't know if those people lived or died. But I was just reminded of how fast it can happen, just in the blinking of an eye. Do you realize this morning, one little, one little, piece of plaque about the size of the end of a pencil can tire loose in there somewhere and go to your heart and, 
And in just a few minutes, you're going to be on your back. And you may or you may not live. Just like this man here, he had heard the warnings. And folks, maybe you're here this morning lost and undone, and you've heard the warnings and heard the warnings and heard the warnings, and you decided this morning, well, it's just another warning. I've heard it before. He heard the warnings for months, but he didn't heed the warnings. It cost him his life. Let's all stand to our feet, please.